whenever I start getting good at something, I completely turn the other direction and go somewhere else. And that's just because I don't want to fit into a formula. I want to fit into happiness. Hi, I'm Joel Pilger, and you are listening to episode 54 of the Rev Thinking Podcast. Today, our guest is G-Monk, otherwise known as Bradley Monkowitz, and our topic is fit into happiness. Welcome to Rev Thinking, the podcast for creative entrepreneurs who know the best way to deal with the future is to create it. This is the conversation between creative leaders and consultants, discussing what it really takes to run a thriving creative business. Well, thank you, Rachel. That's the voice of the lovely Rachel West, voiceover actor and talent extraordinaire, who was kind enough to lend a hand and give us our new podcast intro and outro. Isn't it great? It's nice hearing a fresh voice, and Rachel does a great job. Today's conversation... Welcome to the podcast is between RevThink's own Tim Thompson and the director known as G Monk. That would be Bradley Monkowitz. Now, before we get to the conversation, I want to give you a couple of quick announcements. Um, first off, a preview of the next podcast. We're going to answer the question uh, who the heck is RevThink? And what does RevThink do? I'm trying to answer the question. Also, why should you care? But the episode is tentatively titled Avocado Toast. So let's just leave that as it is (laughs) to create curiosity. The team of RevThinkers was in Los Angeles last week, and we took advantage of the moment of having a lot of minds all in one place at one time on Melrose Avenue to sit down and have a conversation about who we are and what the heck are we trying to accomplish in the world? Okay, announcements. I am speaking, well, this coming up week here on Thursday, October the 11th at the Art and Design Club at the New York City College of Technology. And I'm going to be speaking to the students there, talking about the business of design, but really getting into the nitty gritty of what does it take to run a business if you've ever dreamed of launching your own business. And I look forward to hopefully busting some myths and having a good time talking to the students there. Cohort. We have the quarterly cohorts of creative entrepreneurs. We have a next round of events coming up in New York City. That's on Wednesday, October 10th, right around the corner. And then Los Angeles is going to be on Thursday, November 1st. Now, cohort is an opportunity for you to spend a full evening mastermind with a featured guest and Rev Think and your peers, okay? These are other owners who are running studios and agencies and production companies. It is invitation only, so if you haven't received an invitation and you would like to attend, you can go to RevThink.com and send us a note and say, hey, I think I deserve an invitation, and I would love to attend one of these. Uh, Let's see, October 26th, I'm speaking again. I'm going to be at the Bend Design Conference in Bend, Oregon. And I'm going to be speaking on the topic of the genius gap. So the Ben Design Conference uh, actually runs from October 25th through the 27th. And it's going to be great just to be there with a bunch of other really killer speakers. My friend Chris Doe from Blind and the Future. He's going to be speaking there. Tickets are at bendesign.org. And I have no idea if there are tickets remaining or what the cost is. So you'll have to go there and check it out for yourself. 
Okay, I think that's it for announcements. I know I may have missed something, but hey, we'll be back in two weeks with another podcast and more announcements. In the meantime, you can always go to RevThink.com and see what's going on in the world of RevThink. If you click on the hamburger navigation button, uh, click on events, you'll see where in the world RevThink is. All right, now to today's episode. So recently, Tim Thompson and I and the rest of Team RevThink, we met Bradley Munkowitz at the Pop-Up F5 event or conference within a conference, we called it. That was at Promax BDA in New York back in June. And when we met Bradley, we immediately said, wow, what a great thinker, what an amazing creative. And of course, there's, a, there's always a business side to anyone that's in a position such as Bradley's. And we thought, wouldn't it be great to have him on the podcast? And he was kind enough to join us. And Tim did an interview with him here just recently. Now, let me give you just a quick bio. Okay, the the bio of Bradley, a.k.a. the monomonikered G-Monk, says, G-Monk is a designer, director, and galactic crusader whose work is characterized as a hybrid of science fiction themes informed by psychedelic visual palettes. I mean, if that doesn't get you curious, I don't know what will. I'm certainly curious. Now, you might know of G-Monk's work, um, somewhat famous, on Tron Legacy, and one of my personal favorite movies, Oblivion. Uh, G-Monk was one of the principal drivers behind all of those beautiful UI, UX designs in that movie. Now, this quote I really like from Bradley. He says, quote, find the work you absolutely love and let your work be informed by it. So that's just a little taste, I think, of what you're going to hear from Bradley as he and Tim sat down to talk about business and design and creativity, but I'll let them speak for themselves. So I hope you enjoy the conversation between Tim and Bradley. So I, I uh, one, it just was good to meet you a couple of months ago at F5. I appreciated uh, the conversation you started. The entire day was very inspiring with all the different speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that uh, it was a little bit different format for an F5 because it was a pop-up. Um, but there was an impression I had as you talked, which was, um, this is not a guy that plays by the rules. Uh-huh. And... Uh, I wonder, I wonder if you, do you think that about yourself? Do you think yourself as a guy that has made your own way and doesn't consider yourself as a rule maker or a rule uh, follower, but more of a rule breaker or maker yourself? Um, I'm not, I'm really bad at business and I'm really bad at like, uh, gosh, I'm just not, I'm not, I, I, the whole time, and this has been since the beginning, I just have never really taken what I do or who I am very seriously on a professional stance. Um, I would all would much rather be a genuine representation always. And that sometimes has got me in trouble because my sense of humor isn't always jiving with some people's tastes. And over the years, I've definitely learned to taper that where something that I think is funny is something that definitely people most people are not going to think is funny. Sure. And, yeah. um, and that's been, it's been good for me to kind of um, taper that and kind of learn that side. But I still, you know, I still really, um, it's kind of like how Beeple does it too. It's kind of the same thing. He's very self-deprecating and doesn't really, 
he's one of the most talented motion designers in the world, but he, his website is people-crap.com. You know, he, he's a very, it's very self-deprecating and I'm not like self-deprecating like that, but I'm much, I'm very like just honest. And I, I think my, I don't really want to be, ever become too polished. The only times I try to be polished is when I'm presenting to a prospective client. Um, and then I kind of up the polish game, but in kind of my existence and the things that I discuss and present and the styles that I go for and the themes that I explore um, and the diversity of work that I pursue, it's definitely based on just a genuine uh, sensibility and nature that I've established as, you know, just it's truth. It's all truth. So for instance, 2013, I finish uh, doing Oblivion, the UI for Oblivion. Yeah, and great work. we could have at that point just said, okay, we're done. We're going to do, we're going to make a UI company and just do UI for all the feature films and make a gang load of money and build a monopoly like Territory Studio has done now. And I could have done that, but I instead did the exact opposite because I said, you know what? I'm not going to be inspired if I do that. Um, I'm going to be much more inspired if I keep learning and keep starting over. Like there's something really beautiful about starting over at something. I did it with photography, uh, you know, five years ago, just said, you know, instead of shooting macro on my iPhone, I'm going to pick up a real camera and learn it, like learn it really well and, and, and just dive into this. And then, you know, five years later, I'm starting to do exhibitions and, um, you know, around the world and really getting into print and, you know, always constantly upgrading my, kit and my gear and just it's become a passion and, and i'm so thankful that i did that uh, do you yeah. think that the it seems like they the personality that's loose and um, doesn't take himself too serious complements a little bit your creative desire to pursue multiple things because hmm. in a way you're not just known for one thing you know user interface but you've done different types of projects um the one you did for the um those screens in the 3D space with the robots, mm-hmm. um, the stuff that you explained to me you're working on right now with um, the project in San Francisco, you know, they're they're kind of all over the place. You're not necessarily uh, pinning yourself down as a specialist in one area. Mm. Um, you're just pinning yourself down as a specialist in creative and design and like ideation in a way. So the yeah. two seem to complement each other. That loose nature seems to actually allows you to to kind of move freely in your own creative career. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of there's a lot of thinking where, you know, what what I've heard a lot, only show your five best projects in your portfolio. Um, I show every single project I've ever done since nineteen ninety-nine. People say, get really good at one thing, that's how you're gonna be marketable and sellable and hireable is if you have a specialty, because people usually are looking for specialists. I do just the opposite. Whenever I start getting good at something, I completely turn the other direction and go somewhere else. And, and that, and that's just because I don't want to fit into a formula. I want to fit into happiness and, and happiness is based on, you know, how juiced you are about learning and growing. And if you just kind of play it safe, you know, just kind of discover a technique and just do that technique over and over, you're just not going to be happy. It's going to be a, a closed system. That's the other thing people say is, you know, get, get a technique and then don't necessarily share your process. Just you know, just kind of do it, do it well and, and own it as your own. And I 
just think that you should share everything um, yeah. because then I, I, it's, it's a karmic thing. You know, you believe yeah. in, you believe in karma. Well, it's like, okay, I'm going to share like, everything and it'll come back to you. Well, even that more is that you, like I have this, this belief that um, creative is free and that it's truly something that given the moment you could always think of something new. And in a way, by giving it away, you're always in process of finding something new instead of owning that one creative thing where ideas like you can you can just think of another idea, you know, find another one. And if you were good at the first one, I would expect you to be good at the second type of idea or second approach mm-hmm. where, yeah, I, it, to me, it's amazing that, that abundance thinking and that abundance approach. I, I really appreciate that attitude that you have about that from the creative perspective. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's. um I just never want to burn out on something, you know, like it's, it's such a, it's such a huge part of my life, you know, like it's, it's, and the best part about being a creative professionally is you never really know when the ideas are going to present themselves. I had an idea last night while brushing my teeth that I really liked, or I had an idea this morning on the treadmill, I had an idea taking my dog for a walk. It's, it's almost never at the computer. It's always away from the computer in some random weird application Yes. Uh, you know, life application that you get your best ideas. And, and I think, you know, I, I just don't ever want to play it safe. I want to yeah, take the, the trick is just capturing yeah. it as they happen yeah. when you're walking your dog. The trick is, okay, now where do I put it? So I don't forget yeah. it yeah, <laughs> 15 yeah. minutes later at the computer. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing you are. I'm, I mean, I, this might sound kind of silly, but you are known. It's not like you are doing all this random stuff and not diving in deep and not making a mark in the different areas you're touching, you are known for, for your creative energy. Um, but when you think about, you know, what you are known for or what your, your followers, the people that come and watch you at your, at your lectures, what do, what do you think they would say? Yeah. I, I love G monk. He's the best at, you know, what would they say? Or maybe even like, what would you want them to say? Ah. Uh... Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, at this point, directing is such an important part of what I do now. So I guess I'm, yeah, I always call myself a designer because for me, like, if you look at how I organize my life on my calendar and my closets and my, it basically, basically anything that I do is is centered around design. And, and yeah, I was a designer for, oh gosh, from the year 2000 to about 2014, 15. Um, so about 15 years, you know, graphic design, motion design, that was kind of my thing. And interactive design was big into Flash. And so now now it's like a more of a director, creative director, uh, live action director, design director. But I still call myself a designer because it's like the, it's like a lifestyle. It's like and, and anything I do, anything I look at, it all goes back to the rules of design. So I guess if people were going to say what I was best at now, I guess they would just, it would be either designing or directing but i you know it's it's if something's by g monk it's yeah. usually directed or designed by g monk you know either the only like the only work i do now that's like design work is personal stuff like i don't do any design work for clients anymore i'll i'll you know design direct from my you know a team of designers that i normally work with and i'll and i'll just design direct them and then you know directing for commercials and you know live action shoots or interactive or experiential um, but the, the design work, I, I guess, I guess the design work and the photography work is kind of my fine art. 
sure. in a way. It's it's kind of my step into ex- exhibitions in the fine art world. So guess if someone would say, I guess they would say that my photography and my fine art was really dope yeah. because that's the stuff that's the most personal, I guess. And that's what you would, I have these four stages of a creative career. The last one um, being a collector. And I'd say that some of the work you're doing in the photography and fine art is really kind of beginning your own collection, knowing that there's things that there are personally yours and you're personally pursuing them, not necessarily needing to go find a paycheck in order to do that kind of work. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's always the balance, isn't it? Is finding, you know, how much time can you spend on uh, your own stuff versus paid stuff? And how do you balance that? I know people that go poor, you know, they, they, they run out of money doing their own stuff and then they do a client gig and then they, and then they kind of boost it up and then they run out of money again and they do it again. And for me, I'm kind of, I'm trying to have 50% of the things I do be personal projects. I just launched a project on my site yesterday called Lucid and I did that project for free. And the reason I did that project for free is because I saw the opportunity. Uh, A cool company came to me and they, and they said, you know, we're, we're the first flying drone, flying screen concept. And we want to fund a, a dance performance with these flying screens. And I was like, I'll direct it for free. That's and so cool. In, and and in, a, in a sense, I actually directed it for a slightly minus money because I paid in a little bit of it, a little sure. bit. Sure. And so, and, you know, and, and I did it because it's an investment. It's an investment in... Just as a lot of my personal projects are an investment, they're an investment in somebody seeing that and saying, hey, we want to hire you, we want to pay you money to do this. Or they uh, either either it's that or you grow it and you do it again and you do it again and you you get a really solid body of work. And so if I, if I did the next two pieces of work that I did were also drone screen work, I would say it's about a 90% chance that someone is going to hire me for that. Sure. You know, you and people say this all the time, you you're going to get hired for stuff in your portfolio. Like you're not nobody's going to hire me to do comedic dialogue because I have absolutely no comedic dialogue in my portfolio. Um, but if I all of a sudden started doing comedic dialogue and investing in myself, then, you know, eventually if I work hard enough at it and and I'm, you know, talented at it, then that would lead to that kind of work. I, so, I really love that uh, encouragement because we often want to leave it up to our clients to create the direction for our career. So that our clients recognize us as a director and when, or when they recognize us as a director, I'll finally be a director. In your case, you say, I'm going to be a director and then I'll find the work. Or I might want to get into this specialty or this new technology. I'll wait for someone to hire me. You're saying, no, I'm going to get involved in the technology and then eventually I'll make money from it. But it's always kind of the investment moving forward or the learning process moving forward. Yeah. It's important. It's, it's, you know, man, this whole thing, it's tough. You know, it's Absolutely. a tough gig. It's yes. a really tough gig. And, and I think people don't, you know, it's probably one of the hardest things because it's, it's, it's very subjective. It's very competitive. It's exhausting to be, to make it, you have to work really fucking hard. Yeah. Um, always hustling, networking, innovating, being, reinventing. Being trendy. Um, to stay on top of being, all, yeah. Yeah, the trends, I, I'm not really bad at trends, but it's more about, I guess my trends are in technology. I, I, guess I, look, I look into like what are some interesting combinations, you know, like uh, robotics and lighting is a big one for me. 
um, macro and high speed photography is something I'm really passionate about. Infrared photography. I'm always kind of looking at like weird combinations. I really want to get into time lapse infrared and also looking into bringing infrared onto mobile, which is something we're, we're really interested in now. So, you know, there's, it's, it's hard because you, as you get older, you get slower um, and kind of lamer. And so you have to surround <laughs> yourself with, energy young energy that kind of keeps you it's kind of like you have to surround yourself with either young energy or really talented people that kind of push you to continually produce and that's important you know that's that's super super important especially you know like we're all a a community like like any industry we're all a community and you know are constantly texting each other images and things we're doing and sharing and it's an open system because we know how important it is to um, take inspiration from each other it's all it's all we got you know it's, it's really right. all we got and without that like we're in a vacuum you know and you can look at the internet but it's different when it's personal yeah and and you're and you're interacting with these people and you have feelings for these people you actually know them you know you're always your heroes are always like they're always heroes and they're these mystic you know mysterious mystical people beings and then you meet them in real life and you're like oh you're just a nerd like me yeah, and, then, exactly. and then and then that's it and then you're like okay like i i revered michael china forever right michael china is one of the great graphic designers in the world and then i met him and i was like okay yeah like you're just total dork one just leg like at me. a time right Pentagon, one, one you know like one leg at a time it's like all right you know like He's not, he's no, his, his work is on a pedestal, but he's just a dork, you know, just like me or, you know, Josh Davis, not, not, sorry, Michael Sheen. I don't mean to yeah, right, dork, Michael. You know, he's definitely not a dork, but you kind of are a dork. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, a guy like Josh Davis, you know, who's also a hero of mine and you meet him and he's a total spaz and he's just like, he's, you know, it's like, okay, he's just like a funny a funny dad. You know? yeah. <laughs> he's like a like, funny dad who skateboards and tries to kill himself. No, I think that you, when we were uh, after the event, when we were hanging out uh, later on that evening, and you and I were just kind of talking in the corner, or whatever. Uh, I remember just joking about this idea that you know biology is real. Like no matter what we think and how cool we are, there is this reality that we are just getting older. The world is evolving regardless of our ability, and there's a need to stay on top of it because biology is real. Like we're just people living out something and trying to figure out the parts of this thing because the human experience is happening as well as this professional experience and creative experience. And we have to kind of live out all of those where the outs from the mm. outside looking in, they only see us as the creative side or the professional side. Um, they might mm. not always see us as the goofball dad or whatever um, that we're mm. actually are in our life. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing about conferences, I mean, I, I've, I think I've done probably over 80 of them at this point. And this year it's been slower. This year I think I've only done one. Do you think maybe if you would and, cut it down to um, your slides down to under 300 slides, they might invite yeah, you right. back more often? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, usually at this point I'm kind of like, you can't give me a time limit. I usually talk for about 90 minutes and make it through comfortably and I'm sitting on a chair and it's mellow and it's smooth and you know it, it works. I, I've usually been doing like four a year consistently but not you know this year is one next year is going to be two and i really pick and choose but my point is is that after doing so many of these you meet all the people and you get to know all the people and you learn from them like i learned a ton from seeing how josh davis speaks you know how he presents his energy his sense of humor 
yeah, God, I've seen I've seen everybody talk. Aaron Draplin and Jared Tarbell and Robert Hoggett, all the old school, Eric Natsky, all the new school, um, you know, Mr. Bingo and and all these all these are characters. They're all characters. They're all just like yeah. they're 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 like professional actors in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Bingo is like a professional comedian, you know, and, and he's got this whole this whole thing. It's it's whole package. And it's it's so good, you know, it's really good. And I'm much too there's no facade that I present because I, I couldn't pull it off. Right, you know, I'm just yeah. kind of like a dude. I go up there, I stand in front of my laptop or sit, sit down on the couch and drink gin and run through 900 slides in an hour and a half and make a lot of jokes about monkeys and, you know, lifestyle stuff. And that's who G monk is, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's very, it's always very honest. Like none of my work really. It's a little sticky me, though. You know? Like you have your, put oh, your feet up. Sticky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just I want to be comfortable. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> you know, why, why, what's wrong with being comfortable? No, yeah, right. Talking in front of talking in front of nine hundred people. Right. You gotta, You're like the anti TED talk. People. Is what you are. You forget the yeah. I mean, if, if I point. if I had to do a TED talk, I'd probably struggle. You know, yeah, like right. I'm I'm not a very polished speaker where I do like hand gestures and I pace around and you know I don't really know my I mean I know my subject matter better than anyone in the world, obviously. But if it wasn't about my work, I'd be screwed. Sure. You know? Like I don't. I'm just educated at Humboldt State, you know, like, what do you want? You know, if I could get up there and, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson out on, on, on you, you know, I'm going to gonna nerd out on design and what I've done for the last, you know, almost 20 years. And that's about all I could offer. You, you know, um, that's it. on your, on your website, which I'm guessing you wrote yourself. So I'm going to quote you here, but I, I find this one statement pretty interesting and, and again, inspiring. The reason why I asked you to be part of this podcast is, that many of our listeners are business owners. They are creative people themselves. They're, they know their voice or looking for their voice. And uh, <clears throat> when, I, when I met you at F5, just talked to you, um, the word inspiring just kept, kept coming back to me. Um, the type of projects you did, I thought the box stuff you did, is just so unique and so awesome, the presentation. So that to me, there's many great things you've done, but that's the one that keeps coming back to my head. Um, but inspiring, and so... Um, some of my thought here or desire is to, to really understand where the source of your inspiration comes from. And then here's the quote from your, your website. You say, uh, his ethos is driven by his desire to learn and be uncomfortable. Hmm. Do you really, do you think that balance of, or that, uh, drive to both learn, which makes you seem like you're striving to be com- comfortable with something but to, to balance that with being uncomfortable, not necessarily needing to feel familiar with everything before you dive in and get started. Do you think that mm. um, is the source of your inspiration and, and maybe what people find inspiring about you? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah, I, I do. I, I think for me, happiness is in when I'm learning and just playing. Like I'm very, very excited that I'm learning a new camera tonight. You know, I just, just, I just got it. I hated it at first. I called one of my dearest friends I go on all these photo trips with. I said, teach me how to use this camera. We spent an hour together and he showed me. And now all I, all I can think about is going outside tomorrow and shooting with this camera yeah, right. and how, how much it's going to improve the infrared uh, photography that I'm doing because it's just going to be way higher megapixel. It's going to be way higher quality. It's a better camera in terms of, you know, it's not like, it's just, it's just a, a, a it, I'm going from a $1,600 camera to a $3,200 camera. You know, it's, it's just a better camera. It's just yeah. more advanced, better sensor, 
a bigger sensor. Yeah, you clearly and like, I'm excited just, about that. Get like, done I'm with this jazzed, podcast you know? and go play with my camera. That's the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm stoked because yeah. it was well, dark. You know, it's it's low light now, but, right. um, but I'm stoked because it's it's here we go. This is a new adventure. I was super uncomfortable, and now I'm gonna go rip it up and 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 now I know like as a result, my work is gonna improve. My my I'm gonna my exhibition prints are gonna be larger. My my photos are going to be instead of six thousand by four thousand, they're going to be eighty two hundred by something, or eighty one hundred by something. Yeah. That's like it's an upgrade. And and you know after this, I'm gonna um, learn learn fluid simulations in Maya. And the reason I want to learn that is because I want to make new art. Yeah, I always have a plan. You know, I always have like a master plan. And then you know a lot of the learnings, a lot of the teachings come from collaborating. And uh, and it was it's great. You know, and and that's that's the story of my career. This will never stop. Sure. And I think I'll probably end up teaching, you know, probably six, seven years. I'll probably live in Barcelona and teach at one of the schools um, and just have a stable of young energy around me to inspire me. I'll probably be close to 50 at that point. And, you know, I'll spend the next 10 years just teaching kids, giving back, doing projects with them, just harnessing that energy. Like, you know, the, dr- the drone thing we just published yesterday, that was really difficult. Yeah, we, we pre-vised out all sorts of crazy shit. And, you know, it was, it was just too much, too, um, too much for the drones to deal with. So on set against the clock, we have to kind of sure. figure out how to roll with it. And that's what I love about shoots is it's chaos. It's like this, this energy of everyone working together to solve problems, communicate efficiently under the gun, work fast, but keep the quality up. And it's very hard and I'll never master it. Um, I'll never be a Steven Spielberg or a Christopher Nolan or anyone like that on set. And I know that, but it's fun to like, just get in there and just improve. Like if I look at what I would do on set in 2015 versus now, I mean, it's a night and day improvement, how I approach filmmaking is completely different and and that's going to continue as well. So I, I think there's something to be said about, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, playing it safe. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta just like force yourself to just blow it up a little bit and, and, and fail and learn. And, and it's, it's more fun in a way to fail um, because the energy that results from that failure is unlike anything. You can't, you can't replicate that with success. You can't. I think that, yeah, but there is a part where like, I can appreciate the process of failure. Um, and, and just how you, your the situation you put yourself into business wise, isn't to have an entire team of people depending on you to meet cash flow or, you know, take the business forward or help other people develop their career forward. So the risk factors are, are a little bit different for you. But do you, you know, what do you have on the line when you do that kind of work? What, what is the real risk by, you know, pushing the envelope when you're on set? The clients can be pissed off at you or, you know, what do you think that, what do you think is on the line when you're, why is you're doing that? Uh, I mean, gosh, you could go in a direction. I mean, everything, you know, you're against the clock, right? So everything you do on set takes time and time is not infinite. So if you go down the road of, doing a setup, a lighting setup and a shot that you might not use. You're basically just burning time that you could use on other things. Um, so you have to like make, you have to be kind of dialed in with your cinematographer and make decisions together on like, where is the time 
best spent. And sure. A lot of that, you know, goes into preparation and planning. So do you um, like that stress? Do you, you find like, hey, yeah. I'm going to push this to the envelope just to see what's possible and that stress doesn't bother you or? I like, I like just solving problems and, and yeah. you know, things that you think are going to work don't work. Then it's like, okay, what do we do now? Yeah. Like we need to put our heads together and come up with a solution, you know, because a lot of the stuff that I try to do on set is very experimental. Like it's like, you know, it's uh, – usually involving some like heavy production design, some weird camera technique, you know, motion control or robots. And some, you know, it's always like, I'm always pushing kind of the, the edge of budgets and, and what's possible. And I think sure. that's kind of your job. Like sometimes you work with ad agencies and you're like, you know, I, I always feel like there's a manual that they read. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> proper, proper behavior you know, never be happy with anything, change everything all, you know, just like mess yeah, with everything right. constantly. Reject push, everything push, push. three times. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes I actually really appreciate that because it just pushes you as well yeah. to just keep going, like to not be complacent. I, I feel like it's in the manual and I, and I feel that way as a creative sometimes. So just keep pushing. But I think that's encouraging because I really do know that, the people, the, the creative folks that we know in the industry, and I, and I, you know, I, I know that we've kind of been and worked at similar places or at the same companies throughout our history. That as a professional, you can trust yourself to solve that problem. You can trust yourself to be on set and create the stress because you know you can get out of it, or whatever you have in the can. When given the chance and post, you you can make something of it. Like that's what a professional can do. And there's kind of a turning point to the career where you're not so. I'm afraid of every little piece and getting it straight down to every frame properly, but really waiting for that mistake to happen. That's a beautiful mistake and it elevates the creative um, direction for that piece or for your career. And it, told, and it, it inspires you to go a different direction and uh, try something new or, or expand um, capabilities. Mm -hmm. I think I, that's what, you know, again, like your kind of laid back nature has a true benefit to um, where that's taking your career. But I'll say something. You you've used the term happy a couple of times. Like, is is it really the pursuit of happiness that you that you're looking for as you live this thing out year after year, or are you? Uh, is there something else that you have as an end goal to uh, to this career and uh, the path that you've taken? I think the end goal is yeah. I think it's happiness, dude. I think it's a feeling. That's what I'm after is just a feeling. But a feeling that um, lasts because happiness doesn't always last, right? Well, that's very pessimistic. <laughs> no, I'm just um, practical, I, I maybe. Think, I, I, think, I think it's, you know, I think, I think life is all about fulfillment. Okay. And I've learned over the years that there's a lot of things, like expectation is always trouble. And I think that... I've I've based you know expectation there's there's trouble in that assumption there's trouble in that that's curious and I've, I've always based my creative self on a feeling that I had and I'll never forget these feelings because it was definitely the most impressionable time of my life was when I was in college learning for the first time how to use a computer to be creative and the feeling that I had of exhilaration and excitement and curiosity and enlightenment and empowerment that I had when I first learned Photoshop and I first learned Flash, that feeling I will never forget. Sure. 
And I am constantly trying to replicate that feeling in my career because that feeling brought happiness and that feel that feeling brought energy. And so that's why I'm always making myself uncomfortable. That's why I'm putting myself in situations that I need to work my way out of and collaborate and lean on people that I love because it brings me to that feeling of enlightenment and satisfaction. Sure. And, and then, and, and I like, I like planning. I'm a planner. So when I learn something or solve something or discover something, I immediately think ahead to what can be done with this new information. And that makes me excited. It gives me something to look forward to. And I plan, I'm constantly planning. You know, if you saw my calendar, let me look at my calendar right now. If you saw my calendar, I have, I have a special calendar that I use um, and I could turn all, everything off on my calendar. And I have, it's a, it's a G-Monk solo mode. And on <laughs> G-Monk solo mode is only my personal projects. There's no client work. There's no nothing. It's, it's two colors. It's blue and gold. And it's just only the stuff that I want to work on on my own that's constantly going on top of everything else. And this thing is planned all the way until April 1st of next year. Wow. Yeah, I, pr- I appreciate the, like, the practical um, uh, vision that you're giving me. Uh, one of the things we say is the best way to deal with the future is to create it. And in a way, mm-hmm. you're, you're not That's only nice. dealing with the future and creating it, you're, you've planned your future. Um, yeah. And one thing Hating we know it. is when you've planned your future or you're thinking your future or you project into the future, other people can come alongside and help you achieve that goal. If you're only mm-hmm. worrying about the present and the desperate nature of the current issues, then you're only going to solve for the current and the future is always unknown and it's always scary, always stressful because you're not out there living it and creating it. So I, I really appreciate the practical part of, you know, making that calendar. That's, that's pretty inspiring in and of itself. Um, so what's the, uh, we have to kind of wrap it up. So I'm kind of wondering what's the, um, you know, as you, as you finish this thing at the old age of 50, which I kind of say it that way, cause I'm, closer uh-huh. to 50 than you will be in 10 years. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, what's the leave behind? What do you, beyond, besides just your feeling and your own pursuit, um, do you have a desire to, to leave something behind to have, in, to have inspired others or kind of hand something over for a generation that can do something further with what you've started? Um, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's, I'm just a designer and a director. Like, you know, I'm not, there's, I mean, the, le- the legacy, I guess, is the work and the impressions. I think, I think for me to have closure on the career, I need to start teaching. And that, that is, you know, I think in life, uh, you know, the, the kind of the meaning of life to me is to become a parent yeah. and, and to, you know, be an impressionable figure on somebody that you can help mold in, in, you know, not necessarily in your image, but as, as an extension of yourself. And then you kind of release and watch them you know, operate in the world. And I, I think as a, as a professional, I think the closure for me is, is giving back and becoming a creative uh, figure of some sort to, you know, a turnstile of students coming in and out. And I want to do that for a while. Um, and, you know, and I'll do stuff on the side all the time and et cetera, et cetera. I'll, I'll take care of it. But yeah. um, that, that is going to be closure to me. Besides that, I, you know, a legacy. I want to I go back into the art world. I want to finish in the education and art world. 
And, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to work as hard as I can in the commercial world for the next, you know, six, seven years, uh, maybe longer and continue to grow my presence in the art world um, in parallel and see what I can do there, what kind of disruption I can make there. It's very tough. It's a very tough industry. Sure. Well, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think uh, you know, in 10 years from now, I would love to have a book and, you know, exhibitions and kind of a synopsis of the work. But that synopsis of the work is on my website now anyway. <laughs> you know, it's a, um, I kind of, you know, when I finish a project, I take a lot of time to really document it properly on my website. And then it's dead to me. And then I don't look back, you know, and it's done. And, and, and I keep going and I keep going and I keep going and I won't stop and probably until I'm until you're done <laughs> well into my, yeah, until I'm done. Well, I do appreciate the, um, I, I appreciate the perspective of the pay it forward or, or pass it on nature of, of your idea. And, um, I, I guess I could, in the time that we spent together originally, that's the part of me. I thought I gotta, I gotta interview this guy. Because there is, a, as I told you when we were together, I, I believe that in our industry, um, like everywhere, we need our own sense of, sense of elders. And there's a moment in time in all of our career where we are those elders. And we, it's our job to take what we've learned and pass it on and move it forward. And I'll just say, I think it's very evident in the work that you do and the way you build your teams and the way you're always pushing yourself that that pursuit isn't just to elevate your own own self or your own career, but there's a part of this that's exploration so that others can see it and be inspired and move things forward. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll say that if you do this for 10 more years, I think you'll be really close to to that desire that you'll have that opportunity to teach, to pass it on, um, you know, continue your own path. Um, all that sounds like a pretty good wrap up for a lifetime of work to me. I, I'd be happy mm. with that. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. If I'll be it's, a, it's a hustle, though, man. <laughs> it's, a you know, hustle. It's, it's a hustle, dude. It's it's a <laughs> every day. It's a hustle, but I don't I don't know what else I would do. Like I don't really have any other skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just kind of this is just what I what I do, and it's the you know I I feel really fortunate, man. That you know how many people have you met that spend four years in school and don't really know you chose a, a, a path that they're not really passionate about or are confused by and they haven't found their way. And, you know, the only thing I've ever done is design. Like out of college, I was a, a, a interactive and motion designer. And that was the first job I had was in, in, in interactive and motion design on, on, you know, using flash for the internet. And, and then that was it, you know, like that was, that was the year 2000, you know, so 18 years ago, that was, that was my first job. And, you know, from there, it's been, you know, one thing I will say that it is, is, you know, your career path uh, involves a lot of luck and you have to set yourself up to be in those, to become lucky. And by doing that, you need to hustle. You need to network. You need to be at events. You need to meet people. You need to use social media platforms. You need to produce work that's interesting and publish it and share it and not be shy about it. And just, you know, you really have to get out there and use your resources to put yourself in situations where luck can bestow upon you. And, you know, that is, that's like kind of the, the, that's kind of the thing, you know, if if you're doing stuff that no one's ever seen, nothing's going to happen. And if you don't put yourself out there to meet people, um, nothing's going to happen. 
you know, you can't just like, you can't just throw your resume in on, in a stack of a hundred and expect it to be pulled out. You, you have to like go and make an impression somehow. Yeah. Um, and it's easier said than done, you know, and then on the, on the flip side of that, you know, you have a company like Sagmeister and Walsh in New York or something, and they're getting 5,000 intern applications, you know, how do they select their intern? Like, you know, there, there's gotta be, yeah. it's a body of work, but it's also a presence. And it's also, you know, I bet you they're finding their interns when they're out at design conferences, you know, sure. meeting people or doing reviews. Uh, that's probably cause you know, we're all, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to deal with that shit. We want to just meet people we trust. We look them in the eye. We realize their talent and it's good to go, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, I, yeah. um, I think you nailed it. There, there really is, um, that need to prepare the need to think ahead to be, um, self-motivated, self-directed, and then have a global picture of where you want to go, the type of work you want to do. And I, and again, I love the idea of being uncomfortable while you're doing it. So uh, the desire to be at the cutting edge is not because everyone else is accomplishing it. So, um, so I know you have to wrap it up or we have to wrap it up. Um, I appreciate your time. If, uh, if people want to know more about you, where, where can they find out information? Uh, uh, gmonk.com or gmonk on Twitter or gmonk on Instagram. G M U N K. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Twitter, Instagram and, and, uh, and, you know, just my homepage are probably the three homepage, probably the most, I guess. Be sure to click on the G monk button on the homepage. Right. <laughs> well, Mr. Monk. Bradley, G Monkey, whatever. <laughs> Thank you again for uh, spending the last uh, hour with us. Um, My pleasure. I really uh, appreciate the work you're doing, and uh, I look forward to seeing so much more of what you have going up on your website, um, kind of in the universe. And hopefully, we'll run each other at a conference in the yes. near future as well. Share uh, one of those gin and tonics on stage together. Yeah, very good, very good. Gin and soda, gin and soda. Gin and you soda. Don't want, you don't I want apologize. those. You don't want that sugar. <laughs> Uh, well, tell Simone, I say I too. She actually inspired me to um, change the the icons on my phone. Oh, there you uh, go. Arranged by color. color. Yeah. I thought that was the most brilliant thing. So <laughs> my phone, uh, it took me hours and hours and hours to do it, of course. Um, but uh, it was good to meet you guys, hanging out with yeah, you guys in New York City. All right, man. Cheers, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks. You've been listening to the Rev Thinking Podcast. For more information on upcoming accelerators, events, or to learn how RevThink advises creative entrepreneurs like you, connect with us at RevThink.com. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.